The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. So I'm going to ask Magic now to pray for our time in God's Word. Amen. Arabic or English? You pick. <laughs> أبونا السماوي رب نشكرك من كل القلب لأجل وجودك في وسطنا نشكرك رب لأنك أنت اللي بتجمعنا Thank you God because you're the one who gathered us together Lord Lord we give you all the glory بنديك كل المجد يا رب بنديك رب من كل الألسنة من كل القبائل من كل الشعوب رب يأتون ويسجدون أمامك أمام اسم يسوع الحي from all tribes all nations, all languages, Lord, they will come and bow before your son, Jesus, Lord, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So obviously it's a special Sunday for us this morning. We have an Arabic church that meets in our building every Sunday afternoon. And we thought it was uh, appropriate for us to hang out together, get to know one another. And probably best of all, eat together. Amen? <laughs> all right, so um, first question, have you ever tried Arabic food? <laughs> yeah, okay, it's good, isn't it? Yes. Uh, second question, if you're from the Arabic church, would you mind just raising your hand? Let's welcome them, Fountain of Life. Thanks for coming. So as we meet together today, um, the best thing we're celebrating, obviously, is not food. It's the unity that we have. And so we want to celebrate that unity today as, as we study from Psalm 133. We're going to see three major ideas about unity. Number one, it'll be the importance of unity. Number two, it'll be the source of unity. And number three, it'll be the beauty of unity. So importance, source, and beauty of unity. And who's the author of this psalm? Did you see it? It's David, right? Yeah. What did he know about division and unity? Remember, he began um, serving King Saul. Uh, what was King Saul like in the end? He got bitter, jealous. There was division and then even war. So does David know the bitterness of division? Yeah, he does. And then when David first became king, uh, was all Israel united at first? No, there was division between the north and the south. There was even war. So David knew the bitterness of division. And then finally, all Israel united together. And what did David say? Behold, how good and pleasant it is. 
When brothers dwell together in unity. How about you? Have you known some of the bitterness of division? Yeah. We could look at it from the big picture. There's division among nations. There's division among religions. Political parties. Races, there's division. We see it all around us. That's the big picture. What about the small picture? Do you know any division in the relationships of your own life? Have you ever suffered from the bitterness of division in uh, your family life? Your friends? So we see here, don't we, the, the, the first point is the importance of unity. Divisiveness, division is bitter and it destroys. But it's unity that makes life sweet, isn't it? Um, what's better than close unity? When we, um, did you see the word he used? It was brothers. And you're supposed to think brothers and sisters, all of God's family. David is saying it's so good when we treat one another like family. Because of who our God is for us. Do you see the importance of unity? Yes? Oh, good. How do we find it? Have you noticed humans are um, not so good at unity? We're terrible at this. Big picture, small picture. Even among those who claim Jesus, this is worst of all. We can't find any unity. So, huge question here is, where's the source for unity? And if we understood David's first point about how good unity is, maybe the second point's a little more difficult. He seems to say that unity is great because of an oily priest in a rainy mountain. <laughs> How many of you, you heard this and you thought, oh yes, an oily priest? If only we had more of those. Rain on a mountain. That sounds beautiful, but what does it have to do with unity? Well, the first thing we see about the priest is where unity comes from. And here's the idea. Unity comes from God through his anointed priest. Unity comes through the anointed priest. 
So let's remember what anointed means. Anointed means to be chosen and blessed by God for a purpose. So God chooses you for something, and then he enables you to do it. And for the high priest Aaron, the special oil was a sign or a symbol of God's anointing. So if the oil's running all down his beard and onto his robes, the idea is he's very anointed. So we're going to anoint you all now. I have some oil in the back. I'm kidding. Yes. But we said that anointing is to be chosen and blessed by God for a purpose. So what was the priest's purpose? Well, he'd want to offer sacrifices for sin. So he was chosen and blessed by God to help be a vessel for forgiveness. Also, his robes had all sorts of symbolic meaning. On his robes were written the tribes of Israel. So that, that means he also represents the people to God. And what was the point of it all? It was to bring them into worship, wasn't it? Isn't the point of the priest to give sinful people unity with a holy God? The, the point of the priest is to bring God's people near so that we can enjoy the presence of God. So what's the purpose of the priest? Unity, closeness with God. Of course, um, Israel's story did not end with success. David's sons, future kings, worshipped other gods. The nation split into two parts again. And even the priests became corrupt. So what happened to the unity? It's gone. Replaced by division. So what are we supposed to do now? Well, we remember, don't we? There's a new king. There's a new priest. Who, who is the son of David? Who came for us and reigns forever? It's Jesus. And who is the ultimate priest who gave his life for the people? To bring them near. It's Jesus. And just like the high priest Aaron was anointed with that special oil, 
Jesus was anointed as well. And I want to show you this little story where he's anointed. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Mark 14, verse 3. And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. This would be somewhat of an awkward moment, wouldn't it? This woman is a guest in someone else's house. She's taken this ointment that would be incredibly valuable to her. Most people never used it because they didn't have convenient lids like we have today. And once you break this thing open, it's over. So usually it sits on the shelf forever. So this lady takes the most valuable thing she has and she breaks it open right on Jesus. And it flows down into his beard onto his garments. Do you remember the response of the people around her when, he, when she did this? They stood in judgment. They found it uh, inappropriate. They thought it to be a waste. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 6 and verse 8. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. Then he says, she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Anointed for what? Burial. See, Jesus is the priest. He's going to offer a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is going to be his very self. Are you moved by that? That Jesus would give his very self, his perfect life. He'd die on a cross for all your sins. He'd rise from the dead to bring you near. So that you could enjoy unity with God. So Jesus is the ultimate anointed priest who brings us unity with God through his life, death, and resurrection. But you know, Jesus isn't the only one who's anointed. Um, how many of you remember that today is Pentecost Sunday? What is that all about? We remember that Jesus kept his promise. And he gave his people the promised Holy Spirit. Let me take a poll. Is the Holy Spirit a person or a force? 
Is he a person like Jesus with a mind, with a will? Or is it a force like Star Wars and you got to feel it? <laughs> How do you translate Star Wars, right? Star Wars. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that when you're being translated. <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie, Star Wars, Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good that's good. Anyway, person or force? Person. Person. God in three persons. The Holy Spirit is fully God, just like the Father, just like the Son. He has a mind, a will, a heart. He's worthy of worship. And this takes us to an amazing truth. It's, it's hard for us to conceive the Trinity. But relationally, we can begin to understand it. God the who? Father. Father. And he sent his beloved he sent his son. How does he feel about his son? Loves his son. Jesus lived a perfect life. Loved his father. The Holy Spirit is the person of their love. And do you see what the father is doing? He sent his son to come and bring you near. And the Son has sent the Spirit to be with you, to guide you, to bring you near. So Christians truly can say our God is love. And the story of our salvation is the Father bringing his children near. And so we see as Jesus gives his spirit, it's like we are anointed as well. You remember other places in the New Testament. What's one title for Christians? Priests. Priestesses. Those who know the Holy God in joyous presence offer themselves as sacrifices, sacrifices of love and obedience, and showing others God's love and His presence. Did you know you've been anointed with the Spirit if you're a believer? What does this mean for our unity? I'm going to look in Ephesians just for a moment and see what Jesus has done for us when it comes to unity and what the Spirit does as well. We see first Jesus has made us one with himself and has brought us into the Father. Now I want us to think about what that means for one another. Look at Ephesians 2, 13 to 15. 
Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. Another informal poll. Do they tend to get along well together? No. There's so much war, so much conflict over this very issue. You would think there can never be unity among these people. And maybe you feel that way about a certain kind of people. I want you to see what Jesus has done. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our what? Peace. He's made us both one. And he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. So... So making peace. Paul is referring to a wall in the Jewish temple that kept Gentiles from going to a holier place. What did Jesus do to that wall? He smashed it, broke it down. And what did he use to do that? He broke it down in his blood, his death. And so in Christ's death, two groups of people who could never know unity, Paul says they become one man. They've made peace. Do you see how Jesus has given us unity not only with God but with one another? It's not just can we one day have unity as Christians. This says we have unity now. We just need to live in it. Here's how it works. If God has loved me and saved me, purely by grace through faith, and if he's brought me near, and if he's done the same for you, if he's brought you near purely by grace through faith, Guess what he's done for each one of us together. If I'm a child of God by grace through faith, and you're a child by grace through faith, that means we're family. And these spiritual bloodlines, 
go deeper than ethnicity. They go deeper than culture. They go deeper than hobbies or interests. This is the deepest unity you can possibly have. Imagine one American, very liberal politically. Imagine another American, very conservative politically. If they are believers in Christ, they have more in common than they do with those of the same political party. Or if I grew up with a good friend, we played on the same sports team. We spent time together. But if He's not in Christ. I meet Majid one day. We have almost nothing in common. He's Egyptian. I can't understand how to play his music. We hardly know one another. If he's in Christ and I'm in Christ, I have more unity and more in common with him than I do with the friend I've known forever. So I'm challenging you to think about how serious your identity in Christ is and how important the unity is that God has given us. In God's sight, we are one in Christ. And he wants us to live like it. Amen? Look at what Paul says in verse 22. He says, In Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What is the Spirit building? A dwelling place for God. It's a temple. What is it made of? Big blocks, jewels, gold. Tall white buildings with crosses. What do you think? What is this temple made of? People. People. And what's the decoration in the building? Egyptians. Jordanians, Palestinians, <laughs> maybe even a couple Dutch, <laughs> and plenty of us who don't really know what we are, like me. People from every race, every nation, we are the stained glass windows through which the light shines. Where do we find unity? 
Unity with God and with one another. It's through the anointed priest. And what's his name? Jesus. Our last point is about how unity is beautiful, so we should work for it. David says in Psalm 133, verse 3, unity is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. What on earth does that mean? Well, you used to live near Mount Hermon, didn't you? Yes, I was Hermon for a Go ahead and tell uh, us English-speaking folks what you learned about Mount Hermon. Yeah, I learned about the Mount Hermon that the peak is always white the whole year. And when the breath, the, when in summertime, the southern part of Zion, the mountain of Zion, it's very hot. But when the brothers and sisters come together, the wind brings the cool breeze from the mountain Hermon to the southern part, the mountain of Zion. So when we come together as brothers and sisters, we feel that the atmosphere is very beautiful and the weather changes and God brings a new breeze to the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Isn't that cool? <laughs> the mountain in the north has the sweetness of cool air and the, and the beauty of water for an agricultural society. The mountain, the mountain of Zion is not as tall and it's hot. But it has the temple. So what it's saying is Unity gets us more together than we could ever have alone. More together than we could ever have alone. When we're unified, we share. The north had the snow, the south had the temple. When we're unified, we can each enjoy both. And, and we share that in small ways with our two churches. Uh, Fountain of Life, how many of you are especially skilled at ministry to Arabic-speaking peoples? I don't see too many hands. But our, our brothers and sisters here, they're doing it. Don't you love that? Let's give them a hand. To my knowledge, Majid, you don't have a building. It's not much, but we have one, right, Fountain of Life? And we can share it. So we can share one another's ministries. And we can have more together than we ever would alone when we're unified. Is unity worth working for? Yes, it is. That's one reason it's beautiful. There's one more. Look at the end of verse 3. 
It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You see, God is very committed to blessing his people. And a picture of the blessing, the ultimate blessing, is life forevermore. Forevermore, we're going to enjoy the face, the presence of God. Are you looking forward to that? Forevermore, we're going to enjoy clean, wonderful friendship with one another. Our unity will be sweet in heaven. And David is saying, when we pursue unity together now, we get a little taste of heaven. When we know one another, when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we worship Jesus together, we can have just a little sniff of the delicious feast that is coming. Of what life will be like when Jesus returns. Are you excited for that? Amen. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. We find unity in the anointed priest. And he's the one who gives us unity together. So three things I want us to do in response. If you're not a Christian today, you're invited to trust the Lord Jesus, his perfect life in your place, his death on the cross to pay for your sins, and his victorious resurrection that brings you near to God as God's child. Trust Jesus. Second, if you are a Christian, we are called to pursue unity. Look at Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Are you ready to pursue unity with other believers? Let's do it. Finally, let's celebrate unity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the unity that we have in Christ. 
We ask you, Lord, that you would help us to live in it and pursue it in every way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.